Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Happy and blessed Tuesday to everyone out there. It is another Tuesday during this holy season of Lent, so still rocking the purple, but it is also the feast of one of the greatest saints and one of the greatest minds of all time, St. Thomas Aquinas, one of my heroes, someone whose work I always very much appreciate. So blessed feast of St. Thomas Aquinas as well. And welcome back to the podcast where tonight we will be talking about a plethora of topics, a plethora of information uh, related to the show Yellowstone, which I am almost caught up with. It is currently in its fifth and, uh, I believe, final season. Uh, last I had heard or checked. Again, I'm relatively new to Yellowstone, and so I've kind of been binge-watching it the last few weeks. So I'll talk a little bit about my thoughts on the show. I know I've mentioned it a little bit before when I first started off, and I was a couple of seasons, and now I'm into season five, almost at the halfway point of season five, where the second half is going to be dropping at some point over the summer. Also, I'll be giving my overall thoughts on... Uh, Hogwarts Legacy, which I have not officially finished the entirety of the game. However, I have definitely finished uh, the you know the vast majority of the main story to the point where it's hey, finish as many side quests as you can before officially wrapping things up uh, is essentially what uh, I was told. So I'll give my, my review of the game itself because when when the uh, end finally happened, I was actually kind of surprised. I was like, wait, oh wait, that that's the entirety of the of the main story. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Interesting. So I'll talk a little bit about that. And also, it is going to be kind of the final push for voting in this year's Wednesday Raven Awards, as voting will uh, be shut down on Friday. So you have until Friday to be able to vote for this year's Wednesday Raven Awards, our uh, annual, fifth annual this time, Oscars Boycott, where we recognize that the Oscars have just become so ridiculous and so pointless. Why not have our own show where we award the best and the worst of film in 2022 and also some other pop culture stuff in there as well. Uh, So far, we have had a ton of people, a plethora of people, as Abomination is pointing out over on Odyssey. Hail to you, good sir. We have had 267 people already submit their votes. Again, already record numbers there for the Wednesday Award, so I really do appreciate it very much. But uh, don't be confused. Someone actually, I believe it was either in the chat or in the comment section on a video, thought that it was going to be on Wednesday. No, 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 it's called the Wednesday Raven's Day Awards, rather, the Wednesday Raven Awards, because it's just a play on, okay, Odin, Woden's Day, Wednesday, Odin's Ravens, Raven Awards. That's, that's how we came up with it about five years ago, and so that's pretty much the deck. That's why I've mostly shortened it to just calling it the Ravens at this point. Uh, but it is a ton of fun. So if you've not voted in that yet, please be sure to do so. Uh, Laura, the Monomator General of the channel, thank you very much for posting the link. Uh, check out the link that Shorty Short just posted, and you will be able to uh, cast your vote for the best and worst of the year and a ton of other, a plethora of other options. So before we go any further, though, please make sure you smash that like button, lap that fire button if you're watching over on Odyssey, and smash the rumble button as well as we are multi-streaming on all these platforms, and welcome to episode 418 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast. Let's go ahead and say hello to some people. We got uh, Jilo. What's going on, Jilo? 
Welcome back. We got Bryant Barth in the chat as well. Abomination over on Odyssey is hanging out. What's going on, good sir? Thanks for mind over there saying, yep, just like all open world games, 20% main story campaign and 297% side stuff. That's definitely how it feels like. Uh, where it's just, again, the main story and the main quest is really fun, and there's a lot of really good things about it. But I will say there are also a lot of side quests that I almost prefer in certain regards. Also, I knew that, you know, I again, I'm not much of a gamer, but I know that sometimes your choices do impact, right, the results of the overall game. I didn't realize, though, that some of the choices that I had made were going to impact me to the point of not being able to unlock certain spells. I thought that that was kind of a bummer. It's like, no, I feel like I should be able to unlock that, you know, whether it's later on in the process or earlier in the process. That that makes sense to me. But basically to have the whole, like, yeah, this spell is locked and there's no way for you basically to be able to learn it before you just officially end the game and start anew, which I'm <laughs> almost tempted to do at this point is just to start in a new house because there are also apparently side quests that are specific to your house that you don't experience uh, if you are in another house. So maybe that's the route that I'll end up taking. I'll obviously have a lot more uh, skill and knowledge under my belt. Um, and uh, But yeah, we'll, we'll have to cross that bridge when we ultimately get to it. Orange Hour Views, what is going on? Welcome back, Orange Hour Views, who is one of the mods on the channel. As he says, welcome to Asgard, home of the Allfather, Odin. If you wish to get his attention, type at Odin. Yes, indeed, type at Odin, the very beginning of your comment, at Odin. Let's me know that you're trying to get my attention. And I will be able to highlight it if you're on YouTube. I'll be able to highlight it on screen. If you're on any of the other platforms, also put at Odin as well. I will not be able to highlight them, unfortunately. But that is, again, the way the cookie crumbles. Orange Eye Reviews also is indeed correct. Please do not spam. I do fall 20 to 30 minutes behind in the chat, usually on a, on a healthy day. So please do keep that in mind. Bruce, hanging out in the chat. What is going on, Bruce? Thanks for being here. JS Pena, ahoy. Ahoy to you. Gmonkey76 is in the chat. Uh, CJM, what's going on? Welcome back. Reaper0878, hail to you. He says, get them last-minute votes in for Jeremy for Shill of the Year. Uh, yeah, again, it's uh, it's a very... It, it's There's a lot of races this year that are very interesting. Uh, some of them are pretty close. I'm not going to indicate which ones are close and which ones aren't, but uh, I'm actually really enjoying watching the, the ratings for movies for the best movie of the year. Uh, because there's definitely some consistent themes with with some of the placing, but it's those those mid options that are actually within like 0 .03 of each other. So yeah, ultimately your voice your your vote will indeed not only determine right what are the the top eight films of the year in order uh, based off of the will of the people, uh, but also could end up resulting in winners in several categories where there's just a few votes, a few votes, a few votes that are actually separating them. Uh, blessed and happy Tuesday to you, Laura. Thank you again for being here, the modern major general. We also got Dan Crane. Hail to you. Happy day 14 of Lent. Thanks be to God. Deo gracias. Absolutely, Dan Crane. Can't believe it's already, uh, yeah, with, with tomorrow being Wednesday, it'll be, yeah, two weeks since Ash Wednesday. It's kind of crazy. That we it's 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 been this long already into the season of Lent. This whole year has actually been flying by. I just as a teacher, I cannot believe that we're already in March. We have our spring break next week, which means that March is essentially over. And then once you hit April, it's like that's like the last real full month you have of school. And you still have Easter during that time, and you have a couple of other days too in between, right? Where you, where you might have like a day off here and there. 
And yeah, and then May is mostly just, yeah, you got a week and then your exams are starting up pretty much. So the year is just so crazily uh, going by so, so quickly and, um, you know, doing pretty well as far as, you know, pacing on what we're covering because every year has changed just a little bit as far as my loan lesson planning and and the curriculum of what I'm teaching. I'm actually phasing out sacraments because that's been moved now to sophomores, but the group I have did not have it obviously last year because it was just phased into sophomore year this year. So I have to give them a bit of a crash course on sacraments going deep dive into the sacraments. Um, and so I'm trying to make sure to pace it so that I give enough time to what I'm going to spend a big portion of my time on uh, in the you know subsequent years, which is Catholic social teaching, which is actually really a lot of fun. I love it. I know the students probably not, are not nearly as interested, but it's just really awesome to go through hundreds of years of documents, basically, of what the church has said about various things. I mean, the fact that you can look at a document, there's a document back from the 1800s called Immortale Dei, written by Pope Leo XIII, and it deals with the rise of, again, liberal democracies, and we mean that in the more classical term, and of critics, critics being very critical of liberal democracies. And it's just really amazing to see so many of those documents and how they are relevant still to our very day. In fact, the last one that we talked about uh, is one that, uh, you know, is early 1900s called Pascendi. It's, it, the full name is Pascendi Dominici Gregis. Um, and it deals specifically with modernism. And oh boy, is modernism still rampant. Uh, over on Rumble, we got a Rumble rant. It's one of the first Rumble rants I've had. Hail to you. It just says user 2061. Hail to you. Thank you very much for donating over on Rumble. Glad to see the chat's working. It says, Hail Odin, love your content, man. Keep up the great work. Glad you're on Rumble, trying to stay as far away from YouTube as possible. Hey, well, thank you very much, good sir. And uh, I appreciate your your donation, your Rumble rant, and I appreciate also your kind words. Yeah, I always try to give as many people as, op- as many options as I can. And uh, it's been really cool to be able to integrate with Odyssey, of course, and to be able to integrate with Rumble. Um, and of course I still have, of course, a lot of love for my YouTube fam because yeah, YouTube, obviously evil corporation, evil company, but I'm also not going to abandon the people that use YouTube. And ultimately YouTube is still one of the most accessible platforms, though. I think that rumble and odyssey both are making a lot of stride, uh, a lot of strides going in the right direction. So, you know, I, that's why I will continue to support them. All righty. Let's see. Dan Crane. Thank you very much for being a member for 10 months. Thank you very much, man. Appreciate that. You're awesome. Uh, Brian Barth, what's going on? Laura says, I heard that the Sorting Hat in Hogwarts, Hogwarts Legacy can send you straight to Azkaban, the, the wizard prison, instead of sorting you. Um, I haven't heard about that. I think, ultimately, there are probably a lot of, you know, just like with any game, there are mods, right, modifications that one can make. And there have been so many mods to this game that I honestly don't know what is real and what's not real, right? I've seen the videos of people who have learned the killing curse, right, of Adakadabra and have used it on, you know, students and teachers. And you have all the, you know, basically the wizard cops showing up, all the auras coming up and, and, you know, fighting you. And then you get knocked out and then you wake up in Azkaban. Based on what I'm seeing, it looks like that might be legitimate because it looks like it you're in a cell and... I don't know. I feel like that'd be like difficult to render, but some of the other things I'm like, I feel like that might not be, you know, the case. Cause I don't know what you could possibly do with the sorting hat to be sent to Azkaban right away. <laughs> I just, I just, I don't see that. But again, uh, I am definitely not an expert on it. 
Let's see. Brian Barth says, do you think John Ford is a searcher? Is I saw you mention that. I believe I saw you post that on the uh, Discord. I don't remember if I've seen the searchers, to be perfectly honest. I know I've heard of it. I don't know if I've actually seen it. Um, so my, my my guess would be no, but yeah, kind of an odd question too. Very much out of nowhere. Uh, Crisco, what's going on? Thanks for the text. Says, Sometimes it seems all roads lead to Hogwarts. Yep. <laughs> Oh, man, some of my favorite videos, some of my favorite memes that have been popping up from Hogwarts Legacy has probably been all of the really great uh, commentary about the repetition. So you have to use the spell called Ravello like a thousand times. And so there are just videos where it's just like Ravello, 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 and it's just it's, it's so true, though, like literally you're just running along and then you have to spam it to be able to find certain things in the map that are hidden. And it's like, it's it's a it's a nice, you know, game mechanic because it does make you have to be aware of your surroundings, that kind of thing. But it's also, it can get also quite annoying and taxing because you're like, I don't want to keep having to collect this stuff. So that's why if I, if I play it again, I feel like I'm going to have a very different focus, a very different, uh, a very different understanding and, and rather a very, very motive driving me going forward. I will say the most difficult thing about the game is absolutely flying and not like flying in general because flying in general is fun. Like once you get a broom, you're like, oh, I can just fly anywhere. I'm going to go ahead and open up this map. I'm going to find all these checkpoints and it's going to be great. And it was fun doing that. The The worst part about it, though, is that there are these, you know, the, one of the side quests is you're, you're racing this Slytherin student. And what's awful about it is that the courses are, are not really the most difficult in the world, but just flying and having to do the turns and get the boost and everything. I cannot tell you how many times I had to do the last course, and I was getting so frustrated <laughs> because, you know, she just kept, you know, you know, launching ahead. And I was like, oh, so literally I have to hit every single one of these boost points and not miss any rings, which, again, the flying mechanics was definitely hard to, uh, to, to, to delve through. Uh, let's see. Odin's Catholic priest doppelganger. What is going on? Uh, and uh, he calls me a trans. Ah, yes. I like to call myself a bit of a I'm a bit of a scientist myself. No, I just I I just, again, admit to and support biology. Men and when men are men and women are women. The, that's just a fact. It's a biological fact. Nothing you say or nothing you feel is ever going to change that. Laura says, which house did you get sorted into? So, yeah, that's the one thing I I, I kind of wish they had it built in because at one point there is, I'm not, I don't think this is much of a spoiler because it's kind of like a random side quest, but at one point you run into this character and basically it's a trivia machine. So you have to answer some questions in order to get access to something you have to collect for one of your assignments. But then they say after, oh, come back if you ever want to have more trivia. And I'm like, okay, so if you were able to build that into the game, why not build like an actual like full, you know, how there are all these quizzes out there about, you know, which house am I, you know, why not just build that into the game? Because ultimately you're asked like just two questions and one of them is so blatantly, oh, each one of these represents a house, right? You know, are, you know, what is the thing that you're most focused on here at Hogwarts loyalty? It's like, okay, well that clearly is going to be Hufflepuff. Um, you know, you know, are you looking for, you know, you know, bravery? Is that something important to you? Okay, well, then that's clearly going to be Gryffindor. And so even after that, though, even if you haven't figured that out, where it's just it's so obvious, you know, that even if you haven't figured that out, you can still change your house. Once you change your house, then you're that house for the entirety of the game. 
but you can still change it after the fact. Now, again, I do, I don't mind that mechanic, but I feel like at least have some, like, a series of questions, since you can clearly build that into the game, since you already have a, a trivia character. Anyway, by the way, nailed all the trivia, and I'm not even the biggest of Harry Potter fans. Uh, Dr. Martin Van Nostren, what's going on? I highly recommend the movie Living with Bill Nye. He should win Best Actor. Yeah, I've heard I've heard some pretty good things about his performance, um, and I, I didn't know this uh, up until you know really it got <laughs> attention from the award circuit that apparently it's a remake of uh, Akiru by Kurosawa, and so I guess my I I want to see it because I do like Bill Nye. I, I think that he is a very very talented actor. But also at the same time, I feel like I'm going to be comparing it and contrasting it to Akiru, which is just a really solid, I mean, it's Kurosawa. But yeah, it's definitely on my radar for sure. Definitely on my radar. Uh, Monkey Dust in the chat. have no idea what that is meant to be a <laughs> connection to. Flaccid Phoenix is in the chat. Hail. Kimberly G., What's going on? Howdy, Odin. Maz in chat. Saturday stream or saving for Sunday? Haven't, deci- haven't decided yet. Uh, again, as you can tell, my, my voice is still not 100%. So I guess it's going to depend on how I'm feeling after Saturday because I'm still planning to do the Salty Morning podcast. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We'll wait and see. We'll, we'll see exactly. Basically, it probably depends on how, how much ground I cover in getting all of my graphics done for the Ravens on Sunday. If I feel like I'm in a good place, I'll probably stream. If I feel like I still have a lot of work to do, then I might postpone it. But I'll, I'll post that on all the socials. I'll post it on the community tab on YouTube as well. So that way everyone has an opportunity. Super Anime Gamer, what is going on? Hey, what is up, my dude? What's going on, Super? How much longer until your spring break? It's next week. So we got this week of school. So Friday is, is our last day, and then we got an entire week off for spring break. Right, Burns. All Father, did you hear about Chris Rock working the Oscar slap into a stand-up comedy? Yes, I did. I, I watched the uh, the skit, rather, I, I watched the segment from his comedy special where he talked about it. And uh, yeah, let's just say he burns Will Smith, a new one. Abomination over on Odyssey says they could have had the entire prologue part with Fig filled with choices for the player, uh, for the player like obey slash follow fig or venture forward without fig or solve puzzle yourself or let figs or let fig solve the puzzle and determine the player's house based on all those decisions maybe next game yeah again i think there's a lot of things that they could could have done with the game that could have i think made it that much better it was still again i I, i'll get more into my in-depth thoughts on it in in a little bit but i definitely think that as solid as it was there's also still a lot i feel like there's still a lot to be desired as well so All right, we'll say hello to a few more people, and then we'll jump into my thoughts on the show Yellowstone. And again, thanks for being here. Uh, We got Gus in the chat. What's going on? SpartanBot in the chat. What's going on? Steven says, your thoughts on Disney scrapping uh, scrapping Rogue Squadron that was supposed to be Kevin Feige and Patty Jenkins. I feel like that that was announced a long time ago. The Patty Jenkins stuff, I believe, was was scrapped a long time ago. And to be honest, I have no problem with it whatsoever. Patty Jenkins made one really good movie. One really good superhero movie, I should say. In the first Wonder Woman. But even that one wasn't perfect. Wonder Woman 2 was terrible. So when she got announced in the midst and in the aftermath of, of Wonder Woman 2 that she had gotten a Star Wars movie, I was like, why? What in the world has she done? Oh, it's because she's a female director. It's like, come on now. So I honestly don't care. 
at this point. Rob D says, going to submit my Ravens vote after this. Didn't see every movie nominated, but I've seen two to three in every category. Hey, that's the best that you could probably hope for at this point. Thoughts on Disney live action Peter Pan trailer? Oh, it's terrible. It is It is terrible. I don't really mind personally uh, the race swap because ultimately, if you think about it as a fantasy, you think about fairies in general as fantasy creatures, like color doesn't, I feel, and again, I know some people are going to have a lot more strong opinions about this than I do, but I feel like that's not really the most important thing. But a key dynamic in the story is absolutely the fact that the Lost Boys are, in fact, Lost Boys. There's an entire line, in fact, within the story that deals very much with that with that very fact, right? About how, you know, basically girls are, are far too clever to fall out of their carriages. You know, you even see that carry over in, in you know, in certain respects, also even to, you know, uh, you know, offshoots from it, like like the movie Hook, for instance. And also, I mean, the whole concept of Wendy becoming a mother-like figure to these boys, that is such a key dynamic. And so that is something I do have a problem with because that is changing a key element of the story. The, the whole race swap thing, it's like, well, she's already a fairy and, and fairies don't exist. So, I, I, again, I... I don't have as much of a problem with it as long as the actress is good and she's able to portray the character well. But again, I also can be critical of, okay, you only likely did this for your <laughs> your own racial motivations rather than because they were the best person for the role. And that I do have a problem with, right? Forced diversity is not real diversity and, and that's why I typically criticize it. But out of all of the things that are being presented in the story and, and being presented in the trailer that I have issues with, the changing of the Lost Boys I think is Easily the most egregious by several miles. The Hidden Beast says, first time voting for the Raven Awards. Oh, congratulations. Can't wait to see them. Keep up the good work. Hey, thank you very much. And God bless you as well. Master Gaming says, I might buy four copies of Hogwarts Legacy on Switch, two standard editions, and two deluxe. Well, that's a little bit of an overkill. I don't think you have to buy four uh, because you can get four profiles in the game. So you can play all four houses within each game. So if you wanted to get the standard and the deluxe, I mean, might as well just get one of the deluxe because it includes the standard with just some of those extra deluxe things. Uh, let's see, SpartanBot says the Pottermore quiz can be linked uh, to a Warner Brothers account, which will then pull into the game. Yeah, I know that that was a part of it, but again, whenever you're dealing with having to sign into accounts, especially when you're someone where you're like, I just want to play the game. I mean, I feel like that is a bit much. And also, again, because they already have that infrastructure, I guess you could say, with the whole Pottermore quiz, etc. Why couldn't you just pull that into the game? You know, it's basically saying, oh, yeah, go here if you want the full quiz. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Daily review. Uh, Mike, daily review. Are you also in SA? I don't get that reference right away. Steven says, do you think Ant-Man Mania will make more than Black Adam? Uh, I don't remember what Black Adam made, but it's going to struggle. I mean... I thought that $500 million was was pretty much a guarantee for it, but based on the numbers that we're seeing and the kind of drop-offs we're seeing, uh, even $500 million is is looking pretty, you know, <laughs> unlikely at this point. Uh, Fizzit Channel, Kenny Lee, what's going on? Says, I saw Operation Fortune this weekend. I liked it. Yeah, I've, I've heard some fun things about it. You know, I've heard some people say it's good. Some people say it's okay. Uh, and, you know, obviously, my modern major general, Laura, uh, she said that she enjoyed it, and usually we we tend to... Not always, but we tend to have very similar tastes. At least I feel like in these kinds of movies. Not in San Antonio, Mike Daly. No, I'm not in San Antonio. Uh, I'm I'm in the Chattanooga area of Tennessee. Beautiful state of Tennessee. Um, but 
we, we tend to agree on on things when it comes to films like this, I feel. So it's on my radar. I actually have a ticket to go see 65 on Thursday because some people are interested in it. The box office right now doesn't look like it's going to be all that impressive, but hey, who knows? Uh, box Office Pro has been off by quite a bit before. Maybe this is going to be one of those times, but let's just say it wasn't looking that great for it early on. So we'll see how that film does, and I will get back to you all with my own review of it. But I want to see that movie. I want to see Operation Fortune. So I'm hoping it still has enough decent show times uh, during my spring break so that I'm able to see it then because it's definitely a film that I would like to see because I, I do like a lot of the things, um, a lot of the things that come forth from Guy Ritchie. So anyway, all right, let's see who else we got. Miss Mon Muses, hail to you. Thanks for being here. Steven then says, isn't it ironic that Sony doesn't need Disney for MCU, and now MCU needs Sony for Spider-Man? Yeah, absolutely. Do you plan on watching The Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey? I wanted to, again, and again, it wasn't on my most anticipated. It was on my could-be-fun list. And so, unfortunately, it was it was handled by Fathom Events, though. And so the showtimes for it were incredibly limited, and I was not able to see it. So it'd be nice if if it got a wider release, but at least at this point, it's not looking like I'll be able to watch it. Um, at least in theaters, but yeah, definitely still open to it, but we'll have to wait and see. All right, let's go ahead and dive into the first bit that I want to talk about, and so that is, of course, my thoughts on the show Yellowstone. So Yellowstone, uh, a series that is you know, defined as a drama, neo-western, a Taylor Sheridan production. Really, really like Taylor Sheridan's work. As you all know, I'm a big fan of his movies. Uh, the first film he ever wrote and directed was Wind River, which was fantastic. And I feel like Wind River especially is very apropos for kind of the main storyline with Yellowstone because, you know, that story deals a lot with, uh, you know, tribal politics. It deals a lot with uh, being on the, reser- you know, being on reservation and the amount of people who go missing on reservation. It was it brought up a really interesting story that a lot of people, including myself, didn't really know was a thing. Right. I didn't know that it was a very commonly known thing especially for, you know, obviously for those who live on reservation that, you know, people go missing and that it's something that just, they just go missing and, and, you know, there's not much that anyone can really do, unfortunately. So I was really cool to get that story with Yellowstone. You add that dynamic, right? With the reservation, but then you also add the dynamic of these cowboys, right? And it's obviously, you know, led by uh, Kevin Costner, who I think is just, I mean, I've never been a big Kevin Costner person. Like he's not an actor that I've ever gone out of my way to watch in stuff. But he was born to play this role. I mean, he plays the patriarch of this family, of the Dutton family in Montana, and he just is phenomenal. And and I think that the performance that he gives in this is is just fantastic. So I, I just love everything that he is doing in the show. You then also have Luke Timothy Grimes, who again, great name there, who plays his son Jesse. Probably one of my favorite characters because of all of the different things that happen to him. He is definitely a more one of the more complex characters because he's married to a Native American woman. He, you know, is also someone that has a strong connection with Native American culture, probably because of that. He also is someone who served in the military. Um, and so he's got a lot of things going on for him, a lot of things going on for him, a lot of things that he does, uh, again, because he he loves his family and just again how it starts off very much he has tension with his family he kind of wants to get away he's almost like in a certain respect uh he, he it's it reminds me a little bit like the godfather 
right? Where Michael Corleone in the very beginning is saying, like, I want to get away from you. I want to get away from the family business. I want to, you know, do my own thing. But then ultimately, you know, gets brought back in because of the love he honestly has for, for his father and for his family. And I just love the dynamic. And he is just a very good dynamic actor. And all of them, I just buy. Like, I just buy into them. And that's one of the strong things about this show is that all of the actors just fit. They all do such a great job. Now, one thing I will say is as as ruthless as the character played by uh, Kelly Riley is, like ruthless character, this is the character that I probably have the most difficulty with because of just how inappropriate <laughs> she is. You know, it's at the point where I'm like, okay, I feel like the writing for her character probably didn't need to be that obnoxious or or, or that, you know... <laughs> <laughs> that much of a presence, you know, like she could still be a very strong presence, a very strong personality without having all the other stuff happen, you know, especially in the early seasons, there's just, a, and this is my biggest criticism of the show. And I think I've mentioned this previously when I talked about my early thoughts on the first couple of seasons of the show. And it, again, luckily it's not as prevalent as the show goes on, but it's still there. You know, I don't like it when shows, you know, it, it seems almost as if they rely on, you know, over-sexualization and, and hypersexuality and, and, and nudity and graphic nudity and things like that. Like, I just, there, there isn't a need for it. It doesn't add anything to the story. I mean, I think back to some of the greatest films of all time, and there's, there's one key moment and key scene, too, because there's actually a moment that happens with this character that is a very intense one. And, oh, man, it's just the acting in it was phenomenal. But also, at the same time, I'm like, mm, do you really need to be showing this much? And I thought back to A Streetcar Named Desire. There's a moment in A Streetcar Named Desire where there's a terrible thing that's about to happen. And you don't get shown it. Instead, you get this scene and this great shot of this mirror getting broken. And then it fades away. And you know what happened. You know everything you need to know without actually having to have been shown all the gory details. Or all, all the details that could have been shown, Right? I feel like modern Hollywood is missing that. You know, saying, you know, saying less is actually saying more. Less is more, as it's said. That's like the one thing that just drives me crazy about the show is just, again, there's moments where it just gets so hypersexualized. And, and I just think it's, again, it's a, it's a consequence of our modern culture. It's a consequence of, of just, you know, where we are as, as, as a general society. I just don't think it's that, I just don't think it's necessary. You know, obviously the language is bad too, um, but it's also something where it's like, that makes a little bit more sense, it's a little bit more realistic, but then also too, right, it's like, you don't have to say a curse word every five seconds just because you can. You don't have to use the Lord's name in vain every five seconds just because you can, you know? I do feel like, <laughs> I do feel like there is a, a balance that can be struck where you're still being realistic, but you're also not, you know, going over the line. So anyway, but yeah, so her, her character's a bit, a bit to get used to. It took me a long time. It took me a long time to get used to her character and to actually, you know, not be annoyed by her. But luckily over time, she, again, there's a lot more to her character, luckily, than just what you get in the very beginning. Uh, let's see, Wes Bentley. Oh, this dude. This dude just looks like a creep. And so I kind of love the character that he plays in the show. Uh, you know, he plays, he plays one of the sons. One of the one of the Dutton sons, 
And I I just really appreciate whenever he puts on like this big eyes, I'm like, oh man, this dude looks creepy. This dude looks like he's gonna kill somebody. And uh, oh boy. And I had totally forgotten, by the way, that he was in American Beauty. Uh, this just popped up that he was Ricky Fitz. So now that I'm now that I'm remembering that, I'm like, oh, that's right. He was the guy <laughs> and he was perfect in that role. So yeah, definitely a good casting there. Uh, he's also a, a very, you know, this is uh, Jamie Dutton. And he's also a very good complex character too, right? I would say out of him and, and his other brother, uh, you know, played by Luke Grimes, I think that uh, his is, you know, Jamie's is probably the most complex of them all, um, but still very, very good. Cole Hauser, oh man, yeah. So this guy plays Rip. It's weird seeing him like this and not seeing him with the jet black hair and the facial hair. Uh, probably my favorite character on the show, to be perfectly honest. I mean, because Rip is just very straightforward. You know exactly what you're getting with him. He's done a lot of terrible things. You know, obviously, he's not a good person by any means. But, oh, man, great performance by, by Cole Hauser. But, man, does not look like him at all in this picture right here. That That's 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 interesting. Uh, uh, Kelsey, as a child, so this play, she plays the wife of Luke Grimes' character. So, plays the wife of, uh, so she's the Native American who plays the the wife of, um, of, of Jesse, and she also has a pretty good, uh, pretty good storyline. Really good back and forth, right? She starts off very much hating his family, but then over time starts to kind of understand them a little bit better. Um, I will say there are definitely things. You know, she plays the character of Monica. There are some lines in there that I just felt were a little bit too much in the fact that they were going in the direction. You know, at one point she's a teacher at a college, and she says a lot of things about imperialism and about the land being taken away and all these other things. And I'm like, yes, but again, it's, it's, it's a part of that. It's a part of that oversimplification, right? And that was actually something I was very surprised by in the writing because Taylor Sheridan has been one where he wrote Sicario. And if you've ever seen Sicario, the one thing that I think is the most impressive about the writing for that story, it's a great, it's a great film, great story. But one of the most impressive things about it is that it's a story about the border that's not political. So it was weird for me to, to get, again, something that was not nearly as nuanced as as what he was able to do with Sicario and was instead a little bit more like in your face. Now, luckily, he is still, again, Sheridan is still a great writer. And so he does have this push and pull, right, where it's not just all like preaching to you nonstop. It's you have characters that preach and then you have other characters that come in and say, yeah, but let's also talk about this, you know. But there were definitely some moments where I felt it was a little bit more heavy-handed. Um, and so those were moments were, that were a little bit harder to get through. Uh, let's see. It just says Jefferson White. Uh, Danny Houston's in it. First few seasons, he was he was pretty great in it. Let's see. Ian Bowen. Oh, he's he's one of the he's one of the side characters. Really like him a lot as well. Again, all of them just just fit very well together. Um, let's see. I'm trying to see if I recognize him. I'm trying to see, trying to remember what what character he plays. Let me see if there's anyone else. Anyway, all I could say, the acting is just phenomenal. The writing is also quite quite good as well. And you know, if the indeed it's it's going to be, it says the first part of the fifth season premiered November. It's gonna have the second part premiere in 2023. So if if this is indeed the last uh, season of the show, let's see if it says right here. So yeah, the series focuses on the generation. Yeah, so this is obviously have had its own spinoffs of 1923, also of 1883. Um, and so 
even if this is the last season, it, it actually would make sense to me because I feel like this is one of those shows and Taylor Sheridan is one of those writers where he's bringing the show to a natural conclusion. It, it doesn't, you don't really ever feel like an episode is just filler. And also, I don't know about y'all, but if you've watched this show, by the way, what's going on, Tina? Hail to you, Tina. Thanks for being here. Thanks for stopping by. And uh, obviously, all of us still praying for you. A lot of hearts for you in the chat, as always. But I will say about this show, the one thing that this show makes me want to do, it makes me want to move to Montana. <laughs> it makes me wish that I was on a ranch, that I had grown up on a ranch or something. Because, like, I don't know. Like, obviously, there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens, too, where you're like, I don't know if that'd be my life. But there's also just a lot of really cool things that happen. And there's a lot of things you're like, man, that would be awesome to be able to look at those mountains. And then I was also looking at the weather and I was like, man, that weather is perfect for me. Like summertime for them, like the highs are like upper 70s and it still gets into like the 40s at night. I'm like, oh, that sounds beautiful. It sounds amazing. Now, obviously, I don't live there, so I don't know exactly what it is. And obviously, the winter is going to be very harsh. I think it's negative 10 last time I checked. But still, like, it makes me want to move to Montana. It makes me want to be a rancher. It makes me want to be, uh, you know, working on a farm. You know, it, it definitely is a love letter, I feel, to modern-day cowboys and to the ideal of cowboys. And so that's why I'm very excited once I finish season five, I'll, I'll jump into 1883 and 1923 to see what they're able to do to kind of add on to that. But overall, yeah, big fan of this series. Again, I'm almost caught up with all of the first half of season five. I think I just have like an episode or two left, but I'm really digging this show. And again, I do have some moral qualms about the over-sexualization. And again, some of the times the language is a little bit too much, but great acting, great writing, great direction. So if you've not checked out Le Yellowstone, again, with those caveats. So if you're not one that appreciates harsh language or uh, sexual, you know, very, you know, it, luckily, again, not the entirety of the show, um, not Game of Thrones level. I would say that much, but definitely somewhere like, eh, I could do without it. Then I would definitely say it's a, it's a great show that you should check out. All righty, back into the chats, uh, again, rumble and Aussie people. Thank you all for being here. Again, if you have a comment or question, just put at the very beginning and I'll be able to read that. Let me know. You're trying to get my attention, but let's get back into the chat. Reaper says a little over two weeks till we get some more John Wick goodness. Are we going to see it and review it? Oh, I'm absolutely going to see it, for sure. I'm a huge John Wick fan. I love John Wick. I love all of the chapters. I always explain, I think John Wick 1 is the best movie. John Wick 2 has the best story. And John Wick 3 has the best action. Now, again, I think that there's definitely debate that can be had over any of those points. But that's typically how I sum it up. Uh, the knife fight sequence in 3 is just the tops. John Wick 4 looks great. So, if it can somehow get a combination of those things going and not feel like it's too long in the tooth, then I think that, you know, not length of movie, but just not overstaying its welcome, right? I think there are some people that have gotten over the story or some people that I think are tired of it. I'm not. I'm not at that point yet. I want more John Wick. I want to see more of these things. So I'll be there opening night for sure to go see that. Very excited. Steven says, do you think we will get Sherlock Holmes 3? I think at some point, but I mean, who, who's to say? I think everyone who is involved or most people who are involved are interested, but Victor Fontaine, what's going on? Yeah, that probably will be the case. I will probably be very lonely in the theater on, on Thursday. Alice McCarthy, what's going on? Good, sir. He says, howdy. Ooh, didn't know how's it going? Is Thor eating regular pizza? Uh, most of the time he is. Just that one time he, he had the pineapple with pizza. Yellowstone is in my top five favorite shows. I can see why, man. It's a great show. 
Uh, Mike Daily Review says, The series has a subtle theology of nature worship that the writers weave through the various series. I'm not a fan of that, but I don't uh, I don't mind stewardship. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's also another good... I think that's also a valid criticism of the show as well. There definitely seems to be like that pantheistic understanding. And again, it's not just when they are going through the Native American uh, subplots, but it's also like within like the very characters themselves. Like in season five, for instance, in an episode I, re- I just recently watched, there's a character who plays this uh, almost like this son to uh, the characters of of Rip and and of the the daughter played by uh, Kelly Riley. Um by Beth, and he at one point says something about it, you know, being attributed to God, like, you know, that God will make it rain, basically, to, to stop the fire, and she questions that, right, this, uh, <laughs> like, a new character that came along at the end of the season four, and, and, and continued into season five, who was, like, this environmentalist character, she kind of questions that, and she says, it's not God, it's Mother Nature, or it's just nature, and he responds with, yeah, that's what I said. So they definitely try to combine those things together a little bit. Yeah, de- definitely a lot of that. And yeah, I'm not a fan of that either. And that's why I said, right, there's definitely things in there that I think are going to turn some people off. And I think that like, if, if that's something that impacts you, I think you're already going to be turned off by the cursing and, and the use of the Lord's name. So I just want to put those things out there for people who might be, in, might be impacted by those things, right? It's definitely not for everybody. Uh, Mav 96, what's going on? Says, how do you, how can I get a rosary from you? Uh, easy. You can just email me or if you have Twitter, you can DM me. If you're on the discord server, you can message me there, whichever way you can contact me. Uh, again, top link in the, uh, description. You can find all of my, all, all the different links to find me and also includes my email address as well. I'm actually, I'm in the process. I think sometime either tonight or tomorrow, I'm going to create what I'm going to start doing, since a lot of people have shown interest and it's hard to like not have things centralized, is I think what I'll do is I'm going to create a Google form so that way it can uh, basically it can be like, hey, fill out this form and then I'll be able to get you a rosary. I don't charge for the rosaries. I don't charge for the rosaries themselves. I make them myself. So I I pay for all the materials to, to make them and then I send them out for free as well. I don't charge for shipping. So that is something where I'll create a form that way I can keep things kind of closely together because there's like just a couple things like what kind of rosary I do knotted rosaries and then I also do beaded rosaries and then also color preference and I don't have a whole lot of colors but then again (laughs) that's why I do it for free it's like I don't you know make custom ones Um, but yeah I I give them away that's that's one of the things that I um, once I learned how to make them last summer I was like oh I I going (laughs) I love this and I, I love being able to be able to give them away. So yeah, thank you very much for the donation. And uh, yeah, just contact me. My daily says 1883 is uh, very sexualized. My wife and I have to fast forward a lot. Bible explains great evil without showing it with explicit details. Ah, okay. Yeah, 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 for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it sounds like, and again, I think that's just, that's a plague of, again, modern day Hollywood, but also just you know, behind the paywall Hollywood. I, I mean, I go back to, you know, old days, and I mentioned this before, right? HBO, where when HBO first came off, right? All of the shows that were coming on HBO were all doing the same thing, having a lot of cursing, having a lot of oversexuality because they were allowed to do it. And it's like, wait a minute, just because you can do this because you have protections and you don't have to follow uh, the laws of, of, you know, broadcast guidelines doesn't mean that you then should try to, you know, insert all of this stuff into your shows. 
I actually honestly think it's kind of taken away and, and watered down a lot of writing because people have become so obsessed with doing those things and putting those things in that it detracts away from good storytelling. You know, I know that there's probably varying opinions about Code Era Hollywood, but I don't think anyone's going to deny that some of the greatest films of all time came out of Code Era Hollywood. Why? Because they actually had to focus on stories. And if they wanted to tell a story that had a more mature element to it, they had to be more clever. I mean, I think even back to Alfred Hitchcock and a lot of things that he did. I mean, he was bumping up with people uh, trying to get his film Psycho released, right? And yet, when I look at that shower sequence, you don't get shown really much of anything. But because of the editing and because of how that film is cut, you don't need to because everything is is self-explanatory. You don't need to have, right? In modern Hollywood, that, that, that scene would not have those kinds of edits. Instead, that scene would have, you know, full frontal and would have, you know, very, you know, specific. And it would probably be, you know, sexualized to a certain degree, right? They would probably add other things to it. And I don't have to spell it, I think, to know, you know, for you to know what kind of things they would probably add to that. But that's, that's how the story would have been written instead. And that's how they would have uh, played it out on screen instead. So, yeah, absolutely. Let's see. Steven, try to say, you think Disney will give green light to Miss Marvel, uh, green light Miss Marvels to be in theaters after how many, uh, after uh, how, how, after how Ant-Man performs, I can't see Miss Marvel breaking even. Well, again, it's the Marvels, not Miss Marvel. So it's the Marvels. And they, yeah, that's why they pushed it back. It's one of the reasons why they pushed it back to November. So I think the ultimate question is not when if it gets released, because it's going to get released. I mean, it's mostly in the can at this point. The real question is going to be how much money or how little money does it make? Because one of the reasons why the first Captain Marvel film made as much money as it did was because of its close connection to Endgame. Now, some people wrongly interpret that to say, oh, because it was close in proximity as far as release dates. And that's a part of it, because then people say, well, you know, one of the Ant-Man films was close to this movie, so why did it do well? No, no, no. It's not just the proximity to the release date that helped out Captain Marvel. It was also the marketing for Endgame implied, and also for Captain Marvel, implied and tried to make it pretty clear that, oh, this is a movie that you're going to need to see or want to see prior to Endgame. Almost like it was homework. So I don't think that film makes a billion dollars on its own without having Endgame right next to it. And so with the Marvels, seeing that it includes or is likely to include or it will include people from shows that most people didn't watch and then also Carol Danvers, who most people don't really like. I mean, one of my favorite things from when Captain Marvel was out, you know, all the people that were giving it high grades Right, even the people on Rotten Tomatoes, right, who are propping it up with their their their, their fake, you know, you know, fresh tomato score, and again, the Rotten Tomato score has, has been broken for forever. But one of my favorite things was that when you actually pressed them and said, "Oh, you like this film a lot. Where does this rank in the MCU films?" Universally, you know where it fell: middle, lower, middle of the pack. So that's when you knew, okay. These people are shilling. These people have no actual integrity whatsoever because they're saying all these great things about it. And then when you ask them, oh, so where does this rank in all the MCU films? They're like, oh, yeah, it's not really high on the list at all. But it's going to get released. The, I guess the big question is, what are they going to try to get it connected to 
And what are they going to try and do with it to make people want to go see it? Are they going to try and add some random scenes in with some big actors to try to say, hey, go see it for this reason? Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Steven says, what are your thoughts on Ant-Man 3 dropping 70%? Uh, funny how they were... Well, again, that's because they were... yeah. You know, they were using 69% because they were trying to run with, again, a very specific narrative. Also, because remember that when it comes to the weekend estimates, sometimes they're using different methods. And so that's why it might have been 69.3, which is why they rounded down, right? Now, obviously, we know that it ended up the actuals were, you know, 70%. But yeah, I'm not surprised. The movie's not good. The movie is not good at all. So I'm not surprised at all to see that. I mean, all of these Marvel films which have also all been not not great, have also had very large drop-offs. You know, yes, it's the largest, but all of them have had 65% plus drop-offs. And so I'm not surprised by it whatsoever. And I think that it really should send a very scary sign to Disney. They are seeing a number for Ant-Man, for an MCU film, that is in certain ways equivocal to their COVID numbers. Now, their COVID movies only got to, what, 400 to 450 million max? I'm thinking about Eternals capping out at 400 million, Black Widow capping out around 400 million, and then what? I think it was Shang Chi that made what 420 or something like that. Shang Chi was the only one that came out during that time that actually made any money, and a big part of that was because of the Asian American audience showing up to go see it. Right, the, the, the demographic breakdown actually helped to show that. So I think they're looking to this saying, okay, yeah, we've we've seen just precipitous drop offs. Right, we had the peak. With the 950 million made by Doctor Strange, of which the vast majority was made opening weekend, and then it dropped off like a light everywhere. And then you see it fall quite a bit with Thor: Love and Thunder. You see it creep up a little bit higher with Black Panther, but a lot of that's because of the domestic marketplace. And now you're seeing Ant Man. So if I was a Disney executive, I'd be saying, "Oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> We've been putting a little bit too much time and money and attention on our shows that no one's watching." And a little bit too much time promoting this MCU nonsense that we kind of forgot the number one rule of business. Give the people what they want. Over on Odyssey, Abomination says, It's like that episode of South Park where they all flipped out over being able to swear on television. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, come on. Let, let, let's, let's focus. Let's, let's try to shift our focus back. Alexander says, I highly doubt it will be. T Taylor Sheridan has said, I believe, eight seasons and that's it. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, because I know that the, the, the stories were going around that Kevin Costner was going to be moving away from it. Let's see if they, if they add to this. It says, a third planned spinoff titled uh, Bass, or Bass, Bass Reeves is in development and will focus on the life of the titular character. A fourth spinoff called the four sixes is also in development and is set in present day on the four sixes ranch. Now that could be good because Jimmy, Oh, I love, I love Jimmy. Jimmy in the show is great. So if that's a show more focused on him, that'd be cool. But I honestly think that he works best with his supporting casts in, in Yellowstone. And then it says also a further fifth spinoff titled 1944 was confirmed by Paramount. Oh man. <laughs> so what we're going to get 1944. Then we're gonna get what? 1956. Uh, are we going to get 19? Again, as long as they keep being really good and well-written, and I don't think Taylor Sheridan's kind of running out of ideas at this point, 
then I'm down for it. But it's kind of amazing that there's now an entire universe surrounding the the Yellowstone Ranch and the Yellowstone uh, narrative. But yeah, I thought I'd remember hearing something about uh, Kevin Costner no longer uh, being involved or, or something to that effect. Let's see if they have anything. Oh, yeah. The, the other thing, too. I, so the one last thing I'll say about Yellowstone that drives me a little bit crazy. So obviously, it's, it's a property that's owned by Paramount. And they, you know, early on sold the streaming rights to Peacock. And so that's why Peacock has, you know, uh, the first four seasons. Here's what drives me nuts, though. All right. And I, and I know it has something to do with the agreement that they have with, uh, with NBC, with Peacock. But the fact is, Yellowstone is being shown on the Paramount Network. So a TV network. And you're not getting it on Paramount+. Plus. So it's so confusing because you're like, wait a minute. I understand, I guess, showing it on network, but also, too, it's not even really a network because it still has, you know, TVMA and everything. So you have to have, like, a package that includes Paramount Network to get it. You know, I'm lucky enough to where one of the streaming services I have, the one of the television streaming services, the, the one television streaming service I have has Paramount Network, so I can actually watch it that way with the fifth season. But it's just like, what is going on here? What what in the world is going on? Why why is it that you can't just make it very simple and say, all right, it's it's coming on, you know, Paramount Plus. That like if you want to get people to watch Paramount Plus and sign up for it, guess what? That's the way you do it. But I guess part of it's probably because of their deal with NBC, if I had to guess. But anyway, that's that's been another frustrating aspect to the show. That that's more of a <laughs> More of a specific, not to the show itself, but to how to watch the actual show. All right, let's see. Hardwick is in the chat. What's going on? Have you seen Altieri's video about Yellowstone? She makes some pretty compelling arguments that it's uh, full of dumb writing. Again, she can make those arguments all she wants. I have not seen it. I don't care to watch it uh, because all I know is that I like it. I'm not saying it's the greatest thing that's ever been written. I'm just saying that what Taylor Sheridan writes, I tend to enjoy, and I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. Steven, thoughts on April O'Neil from uh, the, I guess that's the new trailer for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I haven't watched the trailer, because why would I? It's what not it by Seth Rogen? I already have, by that alone, just telling me that it's, it's a Ninja Turtles show or movie or whatever it is. I don't care what it is, to be honest. So, Harwick, don't tell me, because I don't care. Um, <laughs> love you, dude. Uh... The fact that it's by Seth Rogen makes me not care whatsoever. Not one iota. I do not care about it. I do not want to watch it. I do not plan to watch it. Unless it's something that we have to watch for like Friday Night Tights. But all I can say is I've seen the images. That's not April O'Neil. So uh, Laura says, I want to be a cowboy, baby. That reminds me. If you ever see great, uh, great vines, fun vines from back in the day, right? When vine was a thing. I think it's also even in the category of like PG vines. And it's like this guy, he's just like, I want to be a cowboy baby. And then he's like swinging on the, it's the weirdest thing. But yeah, he just says over and over, I want to be a cowboy baby. It's so good. Uh, Alice McCarthy says, ranch hands tend to cuss more than RK outposts. Uh, all that, the all, all the ones that work for my father-in-law sure do. Oh again, I'm not saying it's not, I'm not saying it's not uh, realistic. What I'm just saying is, you know, just because it's realistic doesn't mean you have to actually do it. 
Uh, Cooter says, Monica, college storyline felt like studio notes to me. It did, but I do feel like there was at least some, you know, pushback in the, the story itself because, again, when you contrast that to the fact that the Duttons themselves are very much focused on preserving the ranch and preserving the land and are showing themselves to actually, you know, be, uh, you know, good. I think, you know, someone I mentioned this earlier, right? You know, stewards. I, I think that's a, again, it's a good dichotomy. Uh, Selena Redwine. What's going on, Selena? Says, 100% agree about Beth, my least favorite character in Yellowstone. She makes me cringe, to be honest. Love Rip, though. Yellowstone is a great show. Oh, for, yeah, absolutely. Between the two, Rip any day. I will say, I do think Beth becomes less annoying as the show goes on. But yeah, absolutely. Least favorite character for me as well. Uh, Steven, do you think Marvel's is going to change upcoming movies and let uh, and let go some projects like Echo? Well, I think Echo has already been canceled because I think it was delayed indefinitely, which means canceled or something like that. And I've already talked. You already asked about the Marvels. Uh, Laura says, "I really, uh, I read a really good alternate history book about what would have happened in America if smallpox didn't kill millions of natives." Oh, okay, interesting. See, now that does sound interesting. So he says, are you going to do the Vegas trip? I will not be going to the Vegas uh, trip. It's just, one, a terrible time for me. Uh, it's uh, The specific meetup is in the middle of the week. So it's in the middle of the week when I'm working. <laughs> That's already bad. That's already not a good place. Um, also, it's during the towards the end of the fourth quarter, which is one of the worst times to leave anyway. So... Even if I were to add up, right, you know, the the travel costs, because ultimately travel costs are important, having to leave my family for that amount of time, that, that's already also something that is, is tough enough to begin with. But it's that other stuff, too, where it's like, that's already a no-go, right? Anytime there's a meetup where it's in the middle of the week during a work week, not going to be able to make it. Just not going to happen, especially when it's that far away. So I think the next, uh, I still need to work out the details, right? Because this is where family comes in more so than capacity. I think I'll be able to make it to the Orlando meetup. I think that we're going to, again, I don't know. I don't, we don't have, have any official details yet because I actually just found out about it on Friday Night Tights. Um, because, again, I, I think it's been, in, you know, it's been talked about. And I know that they've recently, uh, Geese and Gamers has like a panel at Megacon in Orlando. But, again, a lot of details are are things that are being talked about behind the scenes, and so we'll we'll find out more as, as things go on. But yeah, that that's something that I will probably end up going to because that's over the weekend. And I went to MegaCon last year because it was over the weekend, and so for that I would just have to you know leave after work on a Friday, you know get in Friday evening because it's only about a seven hour drive or so for me. Be there all day Saturday, stay there Sunday so that I could go to mass and then leave at some point midday on, on Sunday. So, uh, that probably will be the next one. If I can make that work out family wise, because obviously family comes first after that, there's a good chance. I'll make the Dallas meetup again. The, the drive's long, but as far as meetups go, it's really the only other one that I could really feasibly make work because of when it happens. So yeah. All right, Steven says, your thoughts on Disney finally removing comments for any live-action Little Mermaid ads? Not surprised. Harwick, have you seen the movie Pan featuring Hugh Jackman? No, uh, because the trailer was awful, and it looked like garbage. Hamilton Berger, is it your position that there is never an appropriate place for nudity in a mainstream film or television show? Uh, I would argue that 
for the most part, yeah. You know, it's kind of like my, my opinion on this, and this is again where I'm very open and honest about being a, a person of faith, right? As a, as a Roman Catholic, as a traditional Roman Catholic. Yeah, I would say it's not. Because nudity in these shows, every single time that I've mentioned them, is is essentially pornography. It is the use of the human body as an object. And so that is something that I don't think is ever appropriate. Now, we could talk about actual art, right? So for instance, nude, uh, you know, paintings, nude, right? There is a there is a clear line. There's a clear line of demarcation, of separation, right? Between what is tasteful and what is not, what is sexualized and what is not. And so when it comes to shows and movies, all the examples that I've mentioned have not been cases where it's art. It's It's been cases where it's, no, it's it's the sexualization of the human person. And so I'm never going to support that. And I'm, I'm going to be critical of it. But again, I could also, I am that kind of person where I can, you know, take in shows that have that and be able to look past it, right? And to be able to <laughs> look away from it and to not linger on it. Not everyone can, right? I'm not perfect by any means, but it is something that, that's why I, I mention it especially too, because I know that there are other people of either a similar faith or a similar, you know, moral foundation who may not want to be exposed to something like that. And so that's why I bring it up. That's why I mention it. Uh, Abomination over on Odyssey says, Shh, don't jinx it. Gary will make you watch the fake uh, TMNT movie. Oh, I know he will. I know he will. Kimberly G says, I was tricked into watching Captain Marvel. Exactly, Kimberly G, right? And I feel like a lot of people felt that way. They, they felt like, oh, you know, this is before a lot of the things about Marvel kind of got exposed. You know, obviously there are people who will claim saying, well, I've been on this, I've been on this anti-Marvel train since back when Ant-Man 1 came out. You know, it's like the Star Wars people, right? It's the people who say, well, I knew things were off the rails ever since The Force Awakens. It took y'all up until this movie, you know, Last Jedi is when y'all caught up with me. It's like, good for you. You saw things coming early. Great job. You don't need to brag about it. Like for the MCU, I would say a large portion, if not the majority of people who are now very critical of Marvel, were pretty much on board up and through up until and through Endgame. You know, I always say that for me, Infinity War is the last movie that I would ever think to rewatch because I thought Infinity War was very well done. Endgame was trash. I remember I was one of the few people actually calling it out. And it's amazing. Like over time, more and more people have kind of gone back to say, yeah, you know what? Endgame really wasn't all that good, right? There were all these emotional subplots that tugged at the heartstrings for me, right? That they dedicated time to these characters and and things happened, right? But ultimately, um, you know, it, it's just interesting to see a lot of people doing that, right? But I think most people will admit that either Infinity War or Endgame, right, around that time is when things really started to become more clear. Captain Marvel might have actually even been that for a lot of people too, which, again, very very appropriate, you know, being right before Endgame. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of people absolutely were tricked. Alex Garley says, I'm not sure if Yellowstone really counts as behind a paywall. New episodes air on Paramount Network, which is on cable. The other Taylor Sheridan shows are, are though. Well, that's just the thing, though. It's still a paywall. Because guess what? You still got to pay for cable. Alex? Come on, man. And if you're paying for like an old school cable package, you're paying for way too much. Right? At this point, you need to have something like YouTube TV or Fubo or you know, Sling TV or whatever it is, right? That will have the things that you want. 
Because if you have like one of those legacy packages, they're they're overcharging you for channels that you're not even gonna watch. So it's still behind a paywall, dude. Because you still you still gotta pay for the cable to watch it. Just a different kind of paywall. Steven says, just finished watching your endgame review. You said that there were at least three big woke scenes that made you cringe. Do you recall what part they were? Uh, well, the one that easily comes to mind is the one where all the women on the battlefield magically all find each other at the same time. That, that was just cringe. Uh, and then you have the whole, hey, Peter Parker, when Captain Marvel's speaking to you know Spider-Man. And it's like, how you doing? Let me take that for you, right? Let, let me do what you can't do. Those are two that come to mind. Um, but it's been a while. Again, I haven't watched that movie since because I don't want to waste my time watching it. Master Gaming. I think the Marvels will bomb because ever since 2020, people are voting with their wallets. More people are aware of the agenda. Also, the Marvels has Dune 2, Trolls 3, THG. Oh, man. Okay. Too many letters there for me to know exactly what THG, T-B-O-S-A-S. I don't even know what that means. And Wish. I don't know what Wish would be either. Um, Dune 2 might, but remember, the first Dune didn't really make a ton of money. Trolls also has also not, never been a major IP either. So it's going to have competition. But here's the thing. I would not be surprised if the Marvels gets pushed. I, I would not be surprised if the Marvels gets pushed to a December release. That, that, that actually honestly would not surprise me. Um, but here's the thing. You can't really say from 2020 people have been voting with their wallets because ultimately what happened this year, Dr. Strange still made $950 million worldwide. Yes, it should have made a billion based on the 450 start. That is a fact. But people still went out in droves to go see it. I think this is the year, 2022 and 2023. I think this has been the actually the bigger turnaround that's been happening. Right, A lot of people have been waking up since 2020. But I think you had a huge shift, right? Obviously, COVID was a big part of that. But I think you've had also a huge... As people have gone back to the theater, people are now a lot more aware. It's not even that they're choosing with their wallets because of, you know, having issues with Marvel and what they're doing and the agendas. I think it has more to do now with, oh, my money doesn't mean as much as it used to be, right? We're in a time of inflation. We're in a time of recession. We're in a time where things are a lot tougher. I need to be a lot more aware of the things I'm spending my money on. So... People are not going to go out of their way to spend money on a mediocre MCU film. Before the pandemic, guess what? People were going out in droves to spend money on mediocre MCU films. But now I think you have a mixture of so many things, right? Because you do have people waking up to those agendas, wanting to reject those, right? I think Lightyear is the prime example of that, right? Lightyear flopping, I think, was purely because of all the nonsense that Disney was doing in Florida and all those other things. But when it comes to the MCU, I think it's been a mixture of different people with different motivations. Kimberly G says, Sam Elliott's voice can melt frozen butter. Yeah, I saw in the, pro in, in the uh, promo for, was it 1883, that he was in it. So I'm very excited to, uh, to see him. Harwick says, I don't think you'd like Blood and Honey, according to Chris Gore. It's only created for about 10 minutes, then turns into a generic slasher about a monster hunting, bikini-clad vacationers. And again, I I'll wait until... I actually see it if I ever do see it. Asaj, what's going on? Welcome. Let's see. Skovlova1975. Thanks again for the rosary you sent last year. Prayers for Tina B. Hey, you're absolutely welcome. No problem at all. Uh, Laura says, Sherlock Holmes 3 is in the works, but it does not look like Guy Ritchie's involved. Yeah, and that probably will not make me interested. 
Rob D says, Odin, I submitted my Raven Awards form. When do I get I when do I get my I voted button? What what do you think this is? American Election Day? It's not actually because we're not gonna find, you know, millions and millions of votes in the middle of the night uh, <laughs> to change the results. We're actually a lot more transparent here on OMB reviews. Master Gaming, Star Wars Rogue Squadron and Kevin Feige stars canceled. Uh yeah, again, the Rogue Squadron one w- was pretty much well known. Maybe not officially, but it was it was still known. So none of those things are are news to me. Harvest says last month, guy Richie said this about Sherlock Holmes three. Robert wanted me wanted to be in charge of this. The ball's in his court, so he's in charge of the script. He's in charge of the whole thing, and that makes me not really have a lot of interest in it. RJ, what's going on? Says one hundred percent correct, my Catholic brother. Well, hey. Always good to see Catholic Brethren in the chat. All right. Hardwick says, Pedro Pascal said he used to do his Mando voice for children if their parents asked him, but stopped because uh, he finds it inappropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a whole joke that he did on SNL, I believe. So, <laughs> yes, I knew of that. Ken Gain Rumshki, what's going on, bro? Where you been on Rumble? Says, can you eat pizza in your Lenten diet? Um, can I? Yes, I, I I could. Um, but I'm, I'm choosing not to, if at all possible. So that's why last Friday night sites, you would have seen, I was not eating. I'd already uh, eaten for the day. So yeah, basically I, I was already doing the meatless Fridays throughout the year. So now just add into that. Just, um, I won't go into too much detail to it, but just some general fasting. Um, and so that's why you probably won't see me eating on Friday night tights for the remainder of Lent. Um, for that reason, but, uh, I could, right. If, if it was like one of those things where there was nothing else to eat and I had to order, right. A cheese pizza, then that's something that I could have right for, for dinner or on Sunday, right. Uh, Sunday is not a day of fasting. Um, so yeah. Laura says, speaking of Dune 2, I can't wait to see Austin Butler play a fade. Yeah. Again, I just can't wait to see Dune 2. I can't wait to see the story actually reach a conclusion. Um, <laughs> cause I think that the biggest criticism and it's a valid one of, of the first Dune is that it just ends at a very weird point and you're like, Oh wait, it's over. Oh, there's more to the story. Oh, this is a weird place for you to, to end things. All right. So, uh, before getting back into the chats, I, d- I did want to give some thoughts about Hogwarts legacy. So I kind of gave some initial thoughts earlier. Um, but I have basically finished the game. I, I finished the main story mode. Now I, I think the only thing I have to do is, it's like a couple of things to prepare for my OWLs um, is how the, it's explained. So like, there's just like, a few extra things. I think I have to I have to basically reach a certain level and then I unlock the final mission, which is to uh, witness the winning of the House Cup, basically. And my guess is that because I am, you know, the lead character in this story, that my actions will eventually inevitably lead to uh, right now I'm in, you know, I'm in Hufflepuff in, in the game that I'm playing. So my guess is that's, it's going to lead to Hufflepuff winning the house cup. If I had to take a guess, not a very far stretch, I would say. Um, but there's obviously also, I want to make sure I play as many side quests as I possibly can. Um, you know, there's a couple of things I want to try and figure out, but I probably will end up starting another game in another account because one of the things I wish I had known earlier is that, you know, I knew that, you know, playing, making the choices that you make have some impact down the line. But I did not know that 
basically there's one storyline with a character called Sebastian and uh, I won't go into too much detail with it because it's actually I actually like that story that's actually it's a part of it's actually part of the main story it's like one of those things where it's like side quest story you know I, I think most of the stories are, are tend to be main plot line like to, in order to move to the next thing tend to deal with Seb- the character of Sebastian but in the story you learn spells from him and you obviously you know it, it should go without saying he's a Slytherin so you learn the curses from from him but for Avada Kedavra the only way that you can learn that is from him and there's only a couple of times that you can learn it from him but Basically, if you make a choice both times, you can't ever learn it. So that is like my big issue right now with it as far as that is concerned. Because it's like, wait a minute. You mean I can't, un- because of the choices I made, I can't unlock this spell? It's like, come on, man. I feel like there should be at least some way to, to open that up. But I think ultimately the game is really good. So I, I've played through the vast majority of it. Uh, the gameplay is is very solid. There are some bugs in it. There's times where I've gotten like stuck in a wall and it's like it says I'm falling, but in reality, I'm not. There have been issues where I've opened chests and it's, you know, your your gears fill. That, that's the, one of the most annoying things. Your gear fills up really quickly. And the only thing that you can sell is your clothing. And it's like, I don't care about these. I don't care about the clothing. I don't care about how I look. I know this might be something that maybe the core demographic cares about, but I don't. It's like, why can't I, you know, I'm getting all of these, you know, supplies for potions. Why can't I sell that? That would make more sense to me. Um, but you fill up on these so quickly. But sometimes what will happen is you will, you'll, you'll get into like this, this really cool level. And they'll have like this, this, this key piece of, uh, of clothing that, that, you know, raises your you know, offense and raises your defense by an insane amount. It's a legendary piece of clothing or something. And then it will say you're full. And then you'll, what you can do is you can destroy or sell your clothing. And so let's say you destroy it to try to make space. There's been times where it's glitched and it hasn't allowed me to get the clothing. It's it, it hasn't allowed me to reopen the chest, even though it already told me that I couldn't take it in because so it's got some glitches throughout it. Um, but I will say for the vast majority of it though, it is mostly very, very good gameplay. Um, I love the game mechanics. I love the spell mechanics. I love the way that, the story plays out. There's some really, really deep lore that's built into this game that I think really expands upon what has already been established in the books. Obviously, the movies are adaptations of the books, but you know, ultimately, this seems much more related to the books than to the movies. I love the decisions that they make in that department. The characters that they introduce, they show a lot of legacies, right? They show a lot of ancestors of, of characters from the Harry Potter books, and I thought it was really cool to see that and to learn more about those dynamics. But also, I do think that the main storyline also ends very abruptly. I mean, don't get me wrong. The ending is like, oh man, okay, big major fight. But when it ends, I'm like, wait, that's it? I feel like there just, there should have been a lot more. It felt like they basically wrote a story and then felt, we need to try to get this out as quickly as we possibly can. And so I felt like some things felt rushed. So whether it was part of the story feeling rushed, whether it was part of the gaming mechanics and the bugs and issues, it felt like some things were definitely kind of rushed out there. And so hopefully they're able to fix those things with patches. And I know that initially there was no plan for any DLCs, but hopefully because of how successful this has been, uh, hopefully eventually they do uh, add a DLC. I, I know that there were already early plans for 
a possible um, for a, a possible sequel. But I think we'll have to ultimately, you know, wait and see on that department. It also is pretty funny to see that so many of the game's reviews, um, so many of the criticism are coming from people who are hating on it simply because of its association with uh, J.K. Rowling, which I find also hilarious because if you if you look here, right, the developers and the directors and the writers, y- you don't see J.K. Rowling listed. So she essentially had nothing to do with what we have in this. So when people are boycotting this because of J.K. Rowling, all they're doing are are hurting these directors, these writers, and these artists, <laughs> you know, and not really hurting J.K. Rowling. Now, granted, she's definitely getting residuals from this and and tons of other stuff, I imagine, too. But uh, still, interesting nonetheless. Uh, let's see. Gabe's report performance problems overall while reviewing the PC version, especially in the areas with many NPCs, but notice the game's first patch alleviated some of the issues. All right, so it looks like it has been getting some patches. Again, I played the PS5 version, so those were the issues that I was uh, looking at uh, overall. It says... Uh, uh, game broke company records for Warner Brothers games by reaching 280 million hours played. That is insane. Uh, a peak of 489,000 concurrent players on Steam during early access. So clearly breaking a lot of records, doing very, very well. Uh, here it mentions <laughs> the opposition to J.K. Rowling, which, by the way, let's just be fair here for a second, okay? J.K. Rowling did nothing wrong in this regard. She's wrong on a lot of things. Because even by the radical people that go against her's own admission, they still call her a turf, which means they still think that she's a radical feminist. She just happens to believe in biology. It's amazing that that's a controversial take in today's world. But then again, you look around, you think maybe it's not that crazy to think of. Uh, also, yeah, apparently there were some uh, accusations of anti-Semitism, and it's like, that's a bit of a stretch. If anyone's anti-Semitic, it's whoever is trying to say that goblins, like if you're the person that says goblins are representative of the Jewish people, no, no, no. You're the anti-Semite for suggesting such a thing. If that's where your mind immediately goes, that is more of a problem with you than with anything else. It's like these are fictional creatures in a fictional world who are bankers. It's, again, just insane. Not surprising, the fact that, and again, this also shows you how much of a joke Wikipedia can be at times, they are citing the Mary Sue as a legitimate source. According to the Mary Sue, which is the biggest joke, I thought it was satire for the longest time. No, it's real. Those people just be crazy. The central plot line was compared by some social media users to the anti-Semitic blood libel myth in which Jews were accused of using the blood of Christian children in rituals, though they admitted that this could just be a coincidence. What? There is nothing with any of that. There's no reference to Jew or Christian. In fact, if any criticism I could give to the game, they give no acknowledgement to God. Instead, they say Merlin. They use the name of Merlin instead. I find that offensive. It's like, come on. It's a fictional universe, people. But the fact that you're using the Mary Sue here, come on. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's just so ridiculous. Harassment of streamers. Yeah, obviously a lot of just really stupid things that are being done. Uh, So, again, at least from my cursory glance, I'm not seeing anything official. I don't think anything has officially been said 
And again, I could be wrong on that, on whether there will be a official DLC or not. Let's see here. Hold on. So as a company by the launch of Hogwarts Legacy, the Dark Arts pack was released as either a part of the Deluxe and Collector's Edition or as a downloadable DLC for regular uh, edition. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, we weren't able to get the regular, uh, we weren't able to get the Deluxe Edition. So I'm glad to know that it's actually um, something I can get secondhand. Because I think my wife would be interested in that. DLC consists of an exclusive mount, which, I mean, again, means nothing to me, a clothing set, and a new battle arena location. The Dark Arts Battle Arena expands the two available battle arenas available in the base game since the early access. Again, so, again, that is cool. But the fact that they're trying to say, oh, yes, you get an, um, you get an exclusive mount and clothing. Spend money. Come on, man. But the game is fun. The game is good. And uh, I, I would say I enjoyed it. I would say I enjoyed it. All right. Let's head back into the chat. Let's see. Heading out over to Rumble. Uh, King Ann Rumsky says, does Gary get mad if you eat on FNT? Um, he's gotten mad, I think, in a general sense at people eating in general. But it's, it's, it was, it's become such a part of who I am. It's funny how many people in the chat, like, it's not a lot. But there's like one or two people that get triggered every time they see me eating. So it, it's just, you know, it's just people trying to find something to complain about, I guess. Uh, let's see. King Kane Rumsky also says, what the H.E. Devil Hockey toothpicks are you doing in Hufflepuff? Are you a cereal fan or something? No, it's because when I was when I was choosing my house, I was looking at the options and I'm like, oh, all of these options represent a very specific house. And so I said loyalty. I like loyalty. Lo loyalty is a very important trait to me. And loyalty means you're Hufflepuff. Master Gaming over on... Actually, before I get to that, let's head back up. Make sure I didn't skip anything. All right, here we go. Steven tagged at 8.06 saying, I feel 2023 is the year where people are really going to talk talk to their wallet due to inflation. MCU is not helping either. Lightyear is a big example. And Ant-Man. Yeah, again, I think that there's definitely a mixture. But we, we again, we, we always want to be careful, right? We don't ever want to try to put ourselves into a bubble or put ourselves into a box where we think something has to be because of one thing. Right, we have to try to have that more nuanced approach of, no, no, there's a lot of different things going on that are leading to it. Crisco says, is there anything Marvel can do to redeem themselves? At this point, no. As long as Kevin Feige's in charge, no. I, I think basically they would have to go back to square one and they would have to start making movies that are for primarily comic fans but are also accessible to others, right? That That's how things kind of started off, right? If you think about the main audience of Marvel films in the very beginning, it was mostly comic fans. I remember when I went with my friends in high school to those movies, I wasn't a comics person. And so it was fun going with them because they had a good time. And then after the movie was over, they were able to explain, oh, this is using this storyline and this story arc from this series. And then they were able to fill in some of the dots and some of the gaps. They were able to explain some things that were missing. And it was a lot of fun, right? It was a lot of fun. But then as time went on, the focus instead went to trying to go towards the normie audience. And I think they lost a lot of the comic fans along the way. And that's why you've seen a dip, I think, in the numbers. Because now, not only do you no longer have the hardcore base, which is the comic base, which is probably the majority of, of the revenue at the very beginning, you are now seeing a very fickle normie class, right? a very fickle normie audience, starting to also fall away. So, yeah. General Wingster, data say, so Odin, I got these four huge bags of paper. I'll just dump them at your house later. 
at five in the morning. <laughs> no, no, we will have none of that, General Wingster. The uh, the Raven Awards, we, we, we're on a clean ship here, all right? And I guess I will, uh, again, since we just have about eight minutes left, uh, and it was mentioned. So yeah, if you have not voted in the Raven Awards yet, please be sure to vote. Please be sure to vote. Uh, again, the voting will end probably after, right after Friday Night Tights is when I'll close it. But Friday is the deadline, so if you want to vote in this year's awards, make sure to check out the links. They've been posted throughout the evening to the Raven Awards ballot. Again, to the 270 people who have voted, thank you so much. be awesome if we could get to 300 by Friday. That'd be really cool. So if you could share this with people who you think have seen a lot of movies this year, who might have some input in the best movies of the year, the worst movies of the year, but also could have fun with things like, you know, Kathleen Kennedy Ryan Johnson Award for Excellence in Crap World Building, Shill of the Year, MPC of the Year, things like that, then, uh, you know, share it out. Try and get as uh, many people as you can to, to, to join in on the fun. Because, yeah, Raven Awards coming up on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> I just saw this. RJ says, Meatless Fridays throughout the year, very based. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's actually, you know, this is, it's one of the sad things where, you know, for any fellow Catholics out there, we have been told a lie. We have been told a lie or at the very least we have been very poorly catechized because there is this false perception that we no longer have to not eat meat on all the Fridays of the year, which is what it used to be. People thought, oh no, 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 that was done away with. No, the actual truth is that the bishops of the United States said you can either, either, because there is an obligation on Fridays still, however, you have the option now, in large part thanks to the changes after Vatican II and the changes by the USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, to substitute that for something else. But you still have to do something on the Friday. Guess what? When I tell this to most of my students, they have no idea what I'm talking about. So, to me, I feel like it's... it's <laughs> You know, it's still a sacrifice, but it's also easier to not eat meat on Friday. But I digress. Harwick says, have you seen The Marksman? And if so, what are your thoughts on it? Yes. I believe that. I know it's a Liam Neeson film. Uh, is that the one that, that deals with the border? It was okay. But it also was blah. Rob D says, basically, it, it wasn't anything special. Rob D says, what sort of collectibles does the game have? I remember the old games you collected, uh, Birdie Bots, Every Flavor Beans. Yeah, I don't remember ever seeing that. I'm sure if you go into some of the stores, you might find it. But um, yeah, it's hard to say. A lot of it's clothing, to be perfectly honest. You collect clothing. You can collect brooms. But none of them are from, because this, again, this is the 1800s uh, era of, of the Harry Potter universe. So you're not going to get a lot of the same names that you would have gotten as far as like broomsticks are concerned. So... They had a lot of room to grow with that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I don't really know off the top of my head. Over on Odyssey, Abomination says, I don't believe them when they say they don't plan on a DLC. There is a structure in the game with plenty of room for cosmetics. Uh, there is that space for those three mount types, but each slot can be expanded, and it shows your mount a couple other empty slots. Then there's the additional content. Yeah, so, yeah, and I remember Abomination, there's been a couple of videos released by people who have actually paid attention to this in the game who have said... Based on what they're seeing in the actual structure of the game, it seems like they are either preparing for a DLC or that, at the very least, the structure is there for them to be able to do it. 
I think it'd be cool for them to do it. General Wingster says, I'm getting a Series X this week because tax season, baby. Might get Hogwarts with uh, with it also Halo. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fun game for sure. Though, I don't know why anyone would want to get a Xbox when you might as well just use the money and build your own PC because then, guess what? You still get to play the Xbox games and you also have a PC in the process. Whereas when you get the Xbox, you're stuck with an Xbox. I know I'm oversimplifying it, but that's how I view it. Do you think Conor McGregor will fight this year? I don't care. I don't watch UFC. Laura, the same people who told me that men are toxic are now saying I have to let them into my locker room. I know. Isn't it insane? Isn't it insane, right? That, that's so correct, right? The same people who are all about toxic masculinity are now saying like, oh, yeah. If they feel this way. No, no, no. Facts don't care about your feelings. I know that triggers some people. J.S. Pena, I don't know if you're a fan of disaster movies, but have you seen Greenland with... Uh, Greenland with Gerard Butler. I think it's one of the few movies that came out in 2020. So I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Gerard. I, I I don't dislike them. Um, you know, for instance, there's a there's a fun film called Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones from back in the day. That one was actually pretty fun. But yeah, I, I remember a lot of people were telling me to watch that one, and I did. I it was fine. Very very generic though, unrewatchable. Orange Hat says, Wikipedia used the Mary Sue as a media source. It did. Now, one could argue saying they were using it as a source for where controversy was going around. But it's like, I feel like if the Mary Sue is your primary source, then you're probably not talking about an actual controversy. Because if they find something offensive, guess what? They are a very, 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 very small. It's like trying to say, oh, because 1% or less than 1% of the population says something, oh, it's a major scandal. It's like, no, that's not how this works. Come on. Come on, yeah. Get out of here with that nonsense. Kinkane Rumsky over on Rumble says, if you had to rate the accuracy of the teachings of the Catholic Church before and after Vatican II on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you rate the eras? Um, so, again, the teachings... The, here's, the, this is the thing that's that drives me crazy, though, Kinkane Rumsky. The teachings have never changed. The, the, you know, the teachings cannot change. The Church does not have the power to change these teachings. These are teachings that have been given to us by Christ, either through direct word in Scripture or through tradition. And so that's why the church does not have the power just to change things on a whim. And so if there's ever the perception that the church is, then there's something wrong going on there. So it's not the teaching. It's rather how the teaching is being presented and also how many people are so poorly catechized they believe that there's a difference in teaching. So I would say pre-Vatican II, catechesis, teaching the faith, was significantly better. And one of the key factors that you can look to, and some people might argue that's the correlation, not causation thing, but I think that there's very clearly a line of when things happen. Look at rate of uh, Catholic marriages, Catholic baptisms, uh, people in the priesthood, etc., from 1970 on. What you see is you see a peak around 1970, 1975, and then you see a massive plummet in almost every single area. So some would say, oh, well, maybe that's partly to do because of the sexual revolution and other political things going on. Maybe. But also, guess what? The church was no longer acting as the church had always been. It, it, it lost its place as being the standard and the bulwark, right? Of, of morality in an immoral world. And I think that's probably ultimately what led to and has continued to lead to so many of the problems that we're still seeing 
uh, in the church today. So yeah, it's not the churches themselves though. It, rather, it's not the teachings themselves, right? Because the teachings can't change. No matter what a bishop or even a pope tries to say, they cannot change a teaching. Uh, so they're going to watch WrestleMania this year, especially because it's in LA, Hollywood. I mean, it being in LA or Hollywood means nothing to me. Um, but WrestleMania, I, I might watch it casually. I mean, I do already have Peacock, and so it's included for free. But I have no investment really in it whatsoever. Harvey says, McDonald's filet fish was invented in 1962 to keep Catholic customers coming on Fridays. There was also an attempt to sell meatless pineapple burgers on Fridays, but it wasn't popular. I can't imagine why. Um, but yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all, right? In today's world, has no impact, right? The, the, the culture, and that's, I think, the biggest pr- problem. I guess I'll end on that note, right? Is I feel like there has been a, a huge shift in the culture, and I felt like the church used to have a very strong grasp on the culture, or at the very least, an influence. And I feel like they they forego they the you know the bishops of that time unfortunately decided to give up that influence you know by trying to basically what and this is what I love about Catholic social teaching when you look at the history and the development it used to be we take the principles that are perennially and always true and apply them to the changing situations right so something has been always taught but now we have new technology that's developed. Okay, we now have to figure out how do we apply this perennial truth, this perennial teaching to this new thing. Whereas post-Vatican II mindset, and again, this is not everybody, Vatican II is still a valid council and all that, but what we see in the mindset of post-Vatican II era is now it's a modernist mindset. And modernism, which is condemned, by the way, as a heresy, is the mindset of, no, the church needs to get up with the times and the church needs to change things to adapt to the times. No, 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 no. Church needs to apply the perennial teachings to the new situations, but cannot change those perennial teachings. Anyway, uh, Skavlova, unfortunately, again, time is the reason why I've not been able to bring the OMB report back. Maybe I'll have time over spring break. I can say at the very least, summertime, for sure, it will indeed come back. So, with all that being said, I do need to wrap things up there. Thank you again, everyone, for watching today. Uh, for everyone who who smashed the like button, like the fire button, Odyssey, uh, smashed the rumble button as well, uh, Mavic96, uh, Dan Crane, thank you again for your support on the channel as well. And to everyone out there, seriously, it, it's just been amazing. Make sure that you vote for this year's Wednesday Raven Awards, though, because the cutoff, the deadline is on Friday. So make sure that you are able to do that before then. Um, I still have not been able to record the March video so I did want to just, uh, before I play the February shoutouts video again, since it's mostly the same, uh, I did want to give, uh, let me try and see if there's anyone different here in, let's see, so Patreon is the same as far as no one knew for the verbal shoutouts, and the same also can be said of those on Subscribestar. So anyway, I will have the updated graphics and the updated uh, uh, shoutouts too for March as soon as I possibly can. So please be patient with me and thank you for being patient with me on that. Also, for those who have been waiting on the OMB podcast, which I do with John Flickinger, uh, we were not able to get together in February, unfortunately. Uh, I have finally confirmed uh, he's been very sick and so he hasn't messaged me the last few days. I have confirmed that we are going to record our podcast tomorrow night. So you should get access to it either tomorrow night or uh, Thursday morning, uh, whenever I'm able to get around to editing it, putting it together. 
So be on the lookout for that. So again, podcast will be out. So if you've not posted any Q&As, there's a Q&A post on Discord. If you have access to that level, you are in that Discord section. You should have gotten a notification about it. You can put your questions there. It was also posted on YouTube in the Keeper of the Bifrost level members. So that's in the community tab. So you can ask your questions there. And then, of course, if you're on Patreon, it is in the main tab there. If you are, again, uh, Army of Asgard level and above on Patreon. So anyway, with all of that being said, thank you again for your love, for your support. Shout out to Orange Hat Reviews. Shout out to Laura, the Mono Major General. The Mono Major General uh, hanging out tonight, keeping everyone honest. And uh, again, you guys are all amazing, beautiful people. A blessed again feast of St. Thomas Aquinas, one of the greatest minds, greatest saints of all time. A blessed Tuesday, a blessed rest of your Lent, and as always, God bless. And now for a huge special shout out to all of my Patreon locals and Subscribestar members who are at the Keeper of the Bifrost level and above, starting off with Father Luca Illich, Garrett Searles, Chris from the 80s, who you can check out over on YouTube by the same name, Hymir Iri Hymason, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Orange Hat Reviews, you can check out at his YouTube channel by the same name as well, Laura, the Modern Major General Story, Rosetta Allen, who you can check out at her YouTube channel, Eagle Rider, and Miss Martin Muses, which goes by the same name on YouTube. Thank you all very much for supporting me over on Patreon. And also for my subscribe star peeps, we got Matt317. Check out his Twitch channel by the same name. Fast Reaction, Mr. Roy, J-Rod the Beer Guru, and ZK Man, who you can check out over at xthebounderies.co. And a special shout out to the R. And also, lastly, to my locals members, starting off with Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan, How About a Hockey Player, J.H. Schwalbach, Brett D90, and the amazing lawyer, Robert Barnes. Thank you all very much for supporting me for the month of February. You guys are all fantastic. If you want your name shouted out, access to exclusive podcasts and exclusive giveaways, check out the top link in the video description below. Anyway, you guys are all great. Have a wonderful rest of your day, everybody. And as always, God bless.